I was sitting in a room. I couldn't tell whether it was today or yesterday. Maybe it's tomorrow. If it's 9.45, I would think it's after midnight. Hello and welcome to Adam Analyzes. My name is Adam and I'll be your host. That intro that I decided to record is not something too different from what we would see in a David Lynch feature film or on his TV show Twin Peaks. Of course, through the years, David Lynch has dove in a little bit more into the strange where actors are delivering their lines with a very flat delivery. It feels very normal. It doesn't feel like acting. It has that normal feeling, but it gives us a little bit of an unease because it's too calm. 2022 marks the return of David Lynch's 2006 Inland Empire to art house theaters across the country for its 15th anniversary. This is also a release that boasts a brand new 4K restoration, which provides some much-needed luster and love to an otherwise visually ugly film. Thankfully, Inland Empire was playing at the Enzian Theater in Maitland, Florida, which is right outside Orlando. So I wanted to provide my thoughts not just on the movie, but also on the remaster itself. Is it worth seeking out? A lot of us are going to have to drive a little bit to see this one. Well, if you want to see Inland Empire in theaters anyway, I would be willing to bet money that there will be a 4K home video release by the end of the year. We haven't announced the movie yet, so let's go ahead and do that. Starring Laura Dern, Justin Thoreau, Jeremy Irons, Peter J. Lucas, and a couple of David Lynch favorites such as Harry Dean Stanton and Grace Zabriskie. This is the 2026 David Lynch-directed Inland Empire. Laura Dern plays actress Nikki Grace, a somewhat fading starlet who won the role of a lifetime with the film On High in Blue Tomorrows which is meant to be her big comeback film. Before all of this happens, she is visited by her unnamed Polish neighbor, played by Grace Zabriskie, who tells Nikki a Polish folktale that seems to mirror the events that are yet to come. Nikki is also in a loveless marriage with Piotrek, played by Peter J. Lucas. Once filming starts on On High and Blue Tomorrows, director Kingsley Stewart played by Jeremy Irons, lets Nikki, as well as her co-star Devin, played by Justin Thoreau, know that their film is a remake. The original, On High and Blue Tomorrows, is a film that was never finished for very cryptic reasons because the two leads of the original film were murdered. Nikki also, throughout the filming process, gets a little bit too close with her co-star and has an affair, which allows her to slip into the persona of the character from the film, Susan Blue, as parallel worlds seem to collide, blurring the line between fiction and reality. There is also a character known as the Lost Girl, who is observing all of this as the story is playing out. So there is multiple storylines here. In true David Lynch fashion, Inland Empire is a film that is not easily digested, at least on the first viewing. It does require multiple viewings to sort of get a hang of it, especially since the film is out of order. 
we get some answers as well as some questions after getting those answers. It's very common with a David Lynch project. It's almost like a mystery that needs to be solved in itself. There's very few of his films that are straight ahead and normal. It's tough to say normal. Uh, Let's just say conventional. You have films like The Elephant Man and The Straight Story, as well as probably Blue Velvet that are more straight ahead. If you like those films, it's not a guarantee that you would like things like Lost Highway or Inland Empire or Mulholland Drive. It should be said that Inland Empire feels like it's the completion of a trilogy of his films. And that started with Lost Highway, followed up with Mulholland Drive, and finishing with Inland Empire. Are the films actually related? No. But what they do share is a whole bunch of concepts that are present throughout all of these films. The ideas of characters becoming other characters and realities sort of merging with each other. It's all stuff that really has been present in a lot of David Lynch's work, starting with Eraserhead. It also seems that a lot of this ties into his own TV show, Twin Peaks. Mulholland Drive is a project that started out as a TV show. It started out as a pilot for ABC. It was never picked up, and from what I heard, it was originally supposed to feature the character of Audrey Horn from Twin Peaks. That wound up not happening, but then the Mulholland Drive film came out of that. I feel that pretty much everything that David Lynch has done in his 90s and 2000s output really does relate to Twin Peaks as well. It's all one big shared universe. The lone exception of that would be the film The Straight Story, which is a David Lynch film that fans and non-fans alike can enjoy. So while a lot of us fans of Twin Peaks were waiting about 26 years for a new Twin Peaks project, in my mind, we were really getting extensions all this time throughout the years with Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. I think this idea of continuations through film form is solidified by with what we got when Twin Peaks The Return made its way back to TV thanks to Showtime. But we're not really talking about Twin Peaks or anything like that. It's just one of those things I wanted to get that off my chest that I feel like it is all related in some way or another. I do have to say it's pretty cool that he crafted this TV and film universe and merged the two together before it was a cool thing to do. So as far as Inland Empire goes, it's pretty much a love it or hate it type of affair. I don't know if you can really stake a middle ground here. It's a film that is pure David Lynch. And if you've seen any of his other films that are more on the abstract side, you know if you're going to enjoy it or not. I would say Inland Empire is probably the loosest out of his films as far as a story. Even Eraserhead. Eraserhead has a story that's very much apparent if you're willing to see it. It's just told in a very unusual way. With Inland Empire, which as of right now is Lynch's final film, we have a movie that had a very interesting creative process. David Lynch would meditate, come up with the ideas, get with the actors, and pretty much write everything that same day. After his meditations, he would write it down. So this film started without a shooting script. I think that's apparent. It's an interesting idea because everything is separate, but yet it all seems to gel together, even if it does it in the unconventional David Lynch way. I think that's one of the big things that makes this movie hard to decipher is because it feels like it's all over the place. 
I don't know if the movie would have been as much fun if it was cut in a more conventional manner. Everything about Inland Empire is unconventional. It has a very unconventional look with the way it looked back in the day when I originally saw it in Gainesville. I was very unhappy with the image. It was shot using digital video cameras that were not capable of doing any type of high definition. Back in 2006, high definition was kind of in its infancy anyway. It didn't change the fact that the movie just had a very ugly appearance, which maybe is appropriate because it is kind of a very ugly story with the way it's presented. We get a story about insecurities, infidelity, fading beauty, which is very apparent when we first see Laura Dern. She appears as this beautiful actress but as the movie goes on and as she slips more into the Susan Blue character, she loses her beauty along the way and looks more rough around the edges. I feel like David Lynch is trying to make a statement about aging actresses and such, as well as their treatment in Hollywood. Thankfully, we are getting into a little bit of a better place where it doesn't feel as much of an issue, but I know that it still goes on and happens in Hollywood, even though I'm not involved in any type of creative process like that. The same could be said for the male actors of the world, some of the ones that retired and stuff because they simply aged out, they're no longer bankable. However, it seems that the female actors are the ones that have their star power burn out faster than the males. All of the lines between reality and fiction, we as the audience are eased into it. Inland Empire starts off with some weird stuff that happens, however, it feels pretty conventional. It takes a while for us to dive deeper into that rabbit hole of mystery, or as the movie presents it, a cigarette burn hole. There is an actual literal rabbit hole with talking rabbits in room 47, which may in fact have a relation to what Harry Dean Stanton's character says about earlier, that he raises rabbits and that he has trouble with the rent and the landlord. There is a scene that contradicts that, though, because you find out his character is full of BS. He doesn't really need money. He's just seeing if he can get money off of different actors. There is various things floating around on the internet, different explanations, and that's one of the brilliant things about a David Lynch film, is that it can mean something different and somebody can come up with a different explanation for events simply based on how you interpreted what you saw. One of the explanations for the film is that Laura Dern's characters of Nikki Grace and Susan Blue don't truly exist. Instead, they're simply pieces of the film that the character of the lost girl is watching, much in the way that we're watching. So the film is very much a film within a film within a film. There's three different storylines going on, and it's really up to you, the viewer, to determine how those storylines actually add up. I saw another theory online stating that it's a film that's a metaphor for reincarnation. I don't know if I truly buy that one. I think the actual theory of Nikki and Susan not truly existing, I think that kind of works a little bit better than a reincarnation angle. However, there are elements of it that does add weight to that argument. In all honesty, I could sit here and talk about the movie for an hour or so, and you could still watch the movie and come up with a completely different explanation for it. That's what makes it so brilliant, and that's what makes the films of David Lynch brilliant. 
One of the things that I talked about earlier is that this is a brand new 4K restoration. The way the film was shot originally with those digital video cameras, it created an image that almost reminded me of high quality YouTube content. And that's not really a knock on the film or the cameras themselves. It's just the original look of the film didn't really do too much for me. It was a very ugly looking movie in my opinion. But then again, it was a movie that looked like no other movie out there. So if David Lynch wanted to create something unique, he definitely did it. This 4K restoration actually provides the film some much-needed depth. It makes the film look better and more appealing visually. Does it exactly scrub away what the film looked like before? I don't think so. It still has those quirks and qualities that you knew from the original film, but everything is much clearer now. There's a richer color. There's more depth to the image. It doesn't have that flat static look. It's tough to describe, but it was a very interesting looking film. It was just one that didn't really appeal to me visually before. I always liked the movie. I always appreciated it. I always wished it could look better, especially if this is going to be David Lynch's final film. Of course, the argument is there that his final film is going to be Twin Peaks Return if he doesn't make another project. That's dubbed as an 18-hour movie. I definitely understand that argument. But is it an actual film? I don't consider Twin Peaks to Return to be a film. Inland Empire is a film. People can argue with me all day on that, but it's just my thoughts on it. I'm very happy with the way the film looks now. I think it looks the way it should have looked before, while still retaining those interesting qualities of the original product. Inland Empire as a whole is somewhat of a bleak story. It's a bleak movie. It's also a film that's filled with a little bit of hope, but not near as much as past David Lynch projects. It goes into the darker realm again from Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive. It kind of continues that tradition. As we know from some of his past projects, he can craft some really beautiful images if he's so inclined and if the project actually requires that and feels right for it. I think every shot that David Lynch put into this movie feels right for the overall film. Some of my favorites are the ones where he tries to confuse and blow our minds, so to speak. One of the best moments in the film is when that line between fake and reality crosses, where Nikki is there with Devin doing a table read and Harry Dean Stanton, he goes and says, hey, there's somebody over there. Well, the person that was over there was Susan. So that's where that line really gets drawn. I like the fact that we got to see that same scene from a different perspective. And it wasn't throwaway either. Instead, it completely changed everything. This was that moment where the entire line just simply blurred. And it just gets more strange throughout. As far as the acting in the film, I think everybody does a good job. They do exactly what's required of them, whether it's something ridiculous or whether it's something emotional. Of course, the star of the show here is Laura Dern. She delivers what's probably one of her best performances in any David Lynch-related project or in any of the other films that I've seen her in. Lynch really gave her some absolutely fantastic scenes to work with. One of the best ones with her is when she's doing the interrogation scene. It's a little bit of extended monologue, but the dialogue that she's given to Reed, she delivers it with such conviction 
that we almost forget we're watching a film. We're watching a character in a movie. A character who's not the same character that we were following at the start of the movie. Overall, Inland Empire really is a gripping film that is one, whether you like or dislike, you won't forget it anytime soon. You will be left sitting there questioning things that you saw, wanting those answers. While those answers are presented, they're not easily obtained. But by now, if you are a fan of David Lynch, if you've seen any of his more abstract films, you'll know that those answers can be very rewarding once you come up with your own interpretation. If you have the opportunity to seek out the new 4K restoration of Inland Empire, I highly recommend you see it. While I enjoyed the experience the first time, I like the film a little bit better this time around, if that makes sense. Let's just hope that we get another film or two from Lynch in what has, at this moment, been quite the amazing career. I'm going to close out tonight's episode. As a reminder, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore analyzes. If you don't do the whole social media thing, drop me an email at adamanalyzespodcast at gmail.com. If you need to catch up on past episodes, you can do so at adamanalyzes.com. And if you're enjoying my podcast, why not tell a friend about it? Tell two friends for that matter. Or if you have a free moment, I would greatly appreciate if you leave a five-star rating at the podcast listening platform of your choice. It'll allow me to create new content as well as reach new listeners. But with that being said, be kind and good night.